Welcome to the Digital Dudes Podcast. I'm David. I'm Reed. Reed, we're here with... Jenny. <laughs> hey. <laughs> I did point. Serve <laughs> it up, Jenny. Uh, Jenny Hacker. Hawker? No, no, Hacker. Hawker. 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 It's Hawker. Yeah, yeah, we went over this last time, I think, yeah. but it's been some time since you've been yeah. on. I love the name when we first met her. I was like, we got to bring her on just for, for the last name, like at a digital company, Hacker, and then quickly, yeah. or not so quickly, I don't know. When it was, somebody's like, it's not hacker, you idiot. And you, it wasn't you. You were always nice no, about it. No, I won't tell anybody. Yeah. <laughs> I've heard that joke so many times. Yeah. Well, yeah. apologies. It's okay. <laughs> well, uh, you're a manager on the paid media team, and we brought you here to talk about Facebook. Um, ad policy. Ad policy. Thank you. And yeah. it got it, the recent updates that went into that policy, which I feel like, Jenny, maybe you could tell us more, but does Facebook change its policies? Like, is it like the, yeah, Google algorithm where it gets changed, changed a dozen times a year or whatever? Yeah. And then it's like behind the scenes and then you get, you know, some article emailed to you like in panic. Um, but yeah, it's constant. So, um, not super surprising, but this policy is somewhat new. So, okay. I wonder if there's like a ratio of lawsuits to like new policies (laughs) from (laughs) Facebook. (laughs) Cause this one seems like potentially a little bit more tied to that. Um, 31 different categories of prohibited content. This cracks me up, not to dive into it, but that this one just got added. Or did this one get updated? Well, this specific policy, so this discrimination. Is, yeah, so this is like the system user non-discrimination policy, meaning like if you're using any third-party platforms like a Zapier or like a Kenshu, some sort of like management system, basically you as the agency have to provide consent that they're complying to the non-discrimination policies. So I was telling David this earlier, but essentially it's taking all of the, of the guesswork out of things and putting it onto the agency in terms of like, hey, if you're using third parties, you must now comply on behalf of them. So this has everything to do with indemnification, liability, not, not necessarily Facebook like doing or changing that much. No, it's basically Facebook saying, here, I, I give you the keys. You're taking control. So yeah, ensure is, that everybody's compliant because we don't want to do the work. Right. This is what's so jacked up about it. And I don't know how they're getting away with this, you know, with all the scrutiny that they've been under, you know, and that's what you and I have said multiple times on, on different podcasts about this in general is that there's still several loopholes and some of them are pretty like overt, you know, where it's Mm -hmm. like, you still have all sorts of ways that you can discriminate against protected classes in Facebook, even though they got slapped with the, the lawsuit from HUD and, you know, felt like that sent shockwaves, not just through their company, but really through through a lot of the big ad tech. And whether it's Google or them, they still a lot, you know, it's still so easy. And Jenny, you would know better than anybody. And the way that they're getting around this is what you just mentioned is they put all the liability, they pass that on, mm-hmm. but don't take really any responsibility themselves. They put small restrictions and maybe that's mm-hmm. a good dovetail or you can jump off from here, but like on what you can and can't do like in the real estate category, but right. maybe you could better than David and I explain like that only protects or prevents so much. And then here's all the things that is still available. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, go ahead. Well, yeah, no. And I was talking to David about this early, dr- earlier, just basically all of the work is on the front end. Facebook has changed the way that advertisers create the ads, the way that advertisers are targeting, but none of the work has been done on the back end in terms of how are we categorizing these people? How are they getting into these specific cohorts and who actually sees the ads? So on the delivery side of things on their back end, nothing has changed. Again, it's just pushing all of the liability to agencies, advertisers, third parties. So um, well, what I feel like, at least reading the Facebook policy, it seems like they, and some other articles of some of their other updates over prior years, is it seems like they're less concerned about their machine learning putting people into certain cohorts. They're more mm-hmm. concerned about the direct, um, I'll say intentional targeting of saying, hey, I'm going to discriminate by age or I'm going to bid up on on gender or something. Mm-hmm. And what I was concerned with is, well, then why, why is it even in the platform? If you're going to say, Hey, you violated our policy by saying not targeting people under the age of 35, why even offer age right. at all in the platform? Exactly. But I can understand back to, as you said, read how they're getting away with it. I can understand how it's almost like, I don't know, we're in an amusement park. Mm-hmm. And it's like, at first we were like, um, Hey, come on in kiddos and ride. Uh, what's the Texas twister? What's the, uh, the rattler? No, no, no. no the, the Texas giant, Texas giant. <laughs> come ride the Texas giant. You must be this tall. And then later they're like, and by the way, we're not responsible if you put your hands and arms outside the, uh, the carriage or yeah. whatever. Yeah. It's like a release, different version of a release form. Right. Right. So I can understand why they'd update it throughout, even though, you know, that if I put my arm outside the Texas giant and it gets snapped off, where there's going to be a lawsuit, but now we've got signage that says, Hey, keep your hands and arms inside. That's what I feel like this is. Mm-hmm. It's just like, Hey, we know we still may get sued for this stuff, but let's try to give us some separation or coverage to say like, Hey, you did agree to this policy, you know, two years ago. But if I'm also the advertiser back to your point, Jenny, about this being third party platforms, I, I want to really underline that for our audience, but many agencies to be more efficient are using third-party bid budget management platforms like a mm-hmm. Kenshu or an Acquisio or what have you. Mm-hmm. And they're getting more accessible where it used to be more expensive to get those platforms. But those platforms, as we know, are not niched at all. It treats everybody the same. So I would be, if I was working with an agency that had some sort of bid budget management platform, I'd ask about the platform and how do they know that it's not putting people in cohorts. So maybe there's, it's not overtly, you know, age discriminating for mm-hmm. apartments, but because of the way Kenshu wants to build its own custom audiences, there could be some liability there. And you just don't want to get wrapped into some lawsuit where you're like, shoot, I had no idea because it was a black box, you know, where the machine learning was going. Yeah, precisely. And I feel like that is the black box, right? It's like Facebook's algorithm, their AI, I feel like they don't even know what's going into their own AI and their own algorithm. And so all of these changes are being made on the back end and like, who knows if they're discriminatory or not. So this is just like pretty much them saving their ass, mm-hmm. um, whether you're working with a third party or you're you're doing it yourself. I cannot believe you said ass on this podcast. I doubt I am, this is, that's the worst thing. I am super offended, <laughs> I doubt that that's the worst thing that's been said on this podcast. No, I'm actually very proud of you. Thank you. Um, well, yeah, I think my question on this exact thread is, how difficult would it be for them? Because your comparison to like a theme park, it's like, how do we handle, you know, some kid like not putting on his seatbelt on the, or whatever, like yeah. on a ride? Um, versus in this case, isn't it, and we don't have our engineering team on, but 
isn't it pretty simple to restrict like being able to bid on a specific audience segment like 31 plus or, you know, household income? I mean, that just seems to me the way that we do know and understand data that that wouldn't be all that difficult. And so I just feel like they're not showing a whole lot of effort, you know, and, and still leaning on this kind of ridiculous crutch of like, again, using the release form approach. That's what surprises me by like the legislators, you know, and those that are governing, you know, big tech is that they're not, I guess, catching on to this or wise to this, where it's like, what's more likely to happen to have thousands, thousands of agencies um, and different software, like all figure this out Mm -hmm. or for Facebook to just do it on the back end, Mm -hmm. like you said, um, it's so much faster, more realistic that you're going to get the gains that you want as far as issues, discrimination and content. If you start with the native platform versus like all the people that try to connect to it. Well, I'd say, um, in their defense, they're, they're probably saying, Hey, look, it's not discriminatory or it's not against the law in certain cases like fast food chains or something like, okay, there's no law that says you can't serve. (laughs) Although there is something about like advertising the children, like there's a certain age, which I guess they limit, right? Jenny, Mm -hmm. it's like, is it sub, do they even do below 18 or how's that work? No, they don't. Um, it essentially like how it works is if you self-select as a special ad category, AKA housing, then you're put into a different interface and some of your things are restricted. So age, like you cannot adjust it's, 18 to 65 plus mm-hmm. um, location. It's 15 miles around the radius. Um, so there definitely are like certain restrictions in place, but that doesn't mean you can't go around them a little bit yeah. if needed. I'm just saying as a platform, yeah. uh, so you're talking about specific ad categories, like mm-hmm. I think it's like banking, housing, and a couple of others. Yep. But generally speaking, Facebook allows like eight, like is it 18 plus or do you do no age discrimination? Right? It's either 13 to 65 plus or 18 to 65 plus. Okay. Yeah. So uh, to this point, like McDonald's can choose to serve, you know, to all age groups or just under 30 if they wanted to. Right. But to, when you read their ad policies, it's interesting because the ad policies seem to say like, Hey, we, we don't want you to discriminate against age, sex, religion, you know, things like that. So then that's where I'm with you, Reed, where it's like, shouldn't they just remove it across the board? But mm-hmm. I guess they're obviously worried about like their effectiveness decreasing, right? Because like Google totally. Google's very easy, intent-based, but for the most part. But with Facebook, they're the number two ad platform for now. But obviously, we, there's a bunch of others that are coming up quick. Uh, and with their, what was it? The, they took, a, they had $10 billion less in advertising because of the Apple change this last year. Mm-hmm. And that yeah. made them lose like, over a hundred billion dollars in value. So you could imagine if they walk it back too much where now it becomes, as we've always said, like Super Bowl advertising or something where you have very little, few levers to pull. Right. Yeah. Well, I, I haven't heard anything in, other than from our own team, but that post iOS, what, 15 or what's, which one is it? The, uh, iOS 14. 14. Yeah. That our campaigns. <laughs> they need like hummingbird. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> but that our performance has suffered as a result. And so that's, what's interesting to me. If they did walk it back, would performance really, uh, and that gets to your question of almost, can you trust, can they trust their own algorithm as far as who it's getting to and right. what's really happening there? And then uh, I want to ask you this, um, the 13 to eight, uh, 65 or 18 to 65, mm-hmm. that's what you like could target, right? Um, yeah, if we weren't in a special ad category, yes. But if where I'm going with this is if you just didn't target, put any targeting parameters mm-hmm. on the mm-hmm. campaign, how would then you avoid 
I mean, I guess you that would in, imply that you're not discriminating because you're not willfully targeting. But yeah. but my point is, is then you are getting ads potentially to people you shouldn't be getting them to. 100%. So if you pull everything back, you with me on this, mm-hmm. then you could be showing an ad to, you know, person or an age, whatever, <clears throat> that you shouldn't. Am I right there? Well, yeah, this happens all the time where we have senior living, we have... <laughs> student housing, but we're unable to do any sort of age targeting because we are in the special ad category. So we're serving, you know, student housing ads to 13 to 65 plus. And on the reverse, we're doing senior living to 13 to 65 plus. I'm imagining this 14 year old getting a retirement community ad and like, (laughs) what did I do wrong here? You know? So it's definitely difficult. Um, and it, it, it's just one of their policy changes that we have to adhere to. And the number, I just looked up the most recent stat about how many iPhone owners are opting out. Because at first, I think everyone feared that everyone would opt out. And according to CNBC, it's 62% of iPhone users are opting out of the, of tracking. So actually it's not as high as I would have figured. Well, they, when they first like had the predictions, it was 90 something. Yeah. 96. Okay. Yeah. So that is surprising. But so this is six months after the initial that, uh, so I wonder if it's more than, are those 96 are they starting to revert back because they notice it's a it's a worse user experience by not having everything know who you are when you uh that'd be such a hard thing to i guess put your finger on as a consumer is am i getting uh, an inferior experience because it wouldn't be across the board you know like if you think about all the digital media consumption that the average person consumes like to be able to pinpoint and just say yeah. you know on this platform or when i watch tv like i'm getting served ads that don't make sense like but it impacts more than just the ads that's what i think yep. at least we understand is that even the content you're served if you're opting out of this stuff you potentially end up with uh more than just a bad ad experience yeah, yeah i'd say uh, i noticed that like on my google news like if you know uh I, to, to your point, Reed, like there's that echo chamber that can happen, but I often am like trying to say, serve me more of this or serve me less of that. And I'm trying to be aware of the echo chamber, but still I don't need to get served articles that were really meant for Nicole. And it's talking about <laughs> like whatever new skin routine or something. <laughs> it's like, that's ah, okay. Yep. Um, I had something else on the, f- Oh, the, I remember uh, it is, it's been my habit since the internet had the like button that I never like anything. On purpose, because I was always super sensitive. I was like, what if one day they decide to expose everything I've liked to everybody else? Mm -hmm. Like, and I don't want that to be as if like that, like now all my, my network can be like, oh, why'd you thumbs up that weird ass article or whatever it was. So I, I don't, I mean, if you looked at my Facebook, I I don't even know if as much as I love Chipotle, I don't think I even up like give a thumbs up to Chipotle. (laughs) Like I just didn't want to follow anything, interact with anything. And I've noticed that on YouTube, like, cause I, I do do watch a lot of YouTube while I'm on the treadmill and only this like last year, have I started to thumbs up certain videos because some of the stuff I I'm interested in now is so obscure that it's like, I might search for a certain, like whatever business video thing, whatever. Like I was researching the founder of flagship, the the guy that started Moderna mm-hmm. and there's so few videos of him up there, but I'm like, okay, I want to like this so that it will serve me more right. the few times that he has more stuff come up. So I've started to do that, but uh, that's definitely a recent. So you've transitioned to selective liking. Yes. Yeah. That's pretty smart, you know, cause I, it's just like the whole, you know, crappy experience. Like if you uh, don't let anything get tracked, um, the meaning the echo chamber. Mm-hmm. Cause it's like, I 
don't actually want to see a bunch of articles and I don't mind saying here about Trump, you know, like, um, but I want to stay informed. You've had, so, you have a signed copy of his book. Anyway. Yeah. Right. You Got exposed covered. me. Do you really? <laughs> no, <laughs> quite the opposite. Um, but, uh, just finding the right balance because, um, you know, I actually do want articles that are like, you just mentioned with the flagship um, that would make sense. So I don't have to go find that all by myself, mm -hmm. um, but I don't want it to be over, over the top where that's all I'm seeing and all I'm getting. So how do you strike that balance? I mean, you're smart enough for to even be thinking that way where it's like, I'll really just like the most obscure stuff. Cause that's the least likely I'm going to find. I don't think too many consumers are thinking that way, which is yeah. what's troubling. You know, I think it's way more like heavy echo chamber right now in the world. Yeah. I'd say, just personally how I'm doing it right now is if, if I'm searching for something and I can't immediately find a great resource of an answer, like when we look, when we are looking at the four day work week and how to balance things, or when, when we've had different like employee compensation conversations or whatever, that stuff, like if I can't find a solid answer and then I start to learn, like there's an emerging, emerging topic about what it's called. Like I just, I was going to bring this up in Opcom, but it's called a uh, open notice. So some companies are starting to do this thing called open notice where you, an employee is safely allowed to let you know at any time, Hey, I'm starting to look for a job. And then we, and then the company would say, great, let's help get your resume dressed up. Let's get you interviews. Let's work, work our network. That way you're not stuck into this two week, you know, cycle of like someone put in two weeks notice because that's what's common. And so now that I know about this open notice topic, that's something I might search on YouTube or, or Google or whatever. And if I can't find like great information on it yet, then I would have liked it or whatever mm -hmm. so that I don't have to like keep looking back like every three or six months saying, hey, is something new out there that finally answers this or gets this where I want it? Um, so yeah, very selective and on those more obscure like trending topics that I have an interest in. So mm -hmm. would you say like you liking these obscure topics, that's the algorithm is stronger than you searching directly on YouTube? No. Well, it's more of like almost setting up a Google alert mm -hmm. where it's like, I'm not going to take the time to go set up a Google alert for open notice. Right. Um, that just seems not a great user experience for me as a user right now. So instead, if I find one video on it, then it's mm -hmm. like, all right, I'll thumbs up and hopefully I'll get served if another one pops up. Gotcha. It's kind of like just when you, you know, when he wants to do deep research, then he's going to actively search, yeah. you know, would look on Google and we'll get probably good responses. But then, you know, you want that stuff brought to you without having the headache or the time suck of having yeah. to go find it yourself. Fair enough. Yeah, exactly. Now um, it was the opposite with four day work week. I did not try to thumbs up any articles in that, but now I feel like I'm getting like smashed with four day work week articles. Same. And I'm like, please stop. Don't send me more. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I wonder how much of that even has to do with all of us having digital, you know, cause we have put out mm -hmm. a decent amount of content about it, um, that we've been flagged, you know, just any employee here. Yeah. Cause we were hearing about it, not just from management, but I've been hearing about other people, you know, within the company reading articles and stuff. So who knows? Yeah. There's that yeah. crazy algorithm that Jenny was talking about. No um, control. one thing that I uh, also thought might be interesting to hear, your perspective, Jenny, on, um, we've talked about a couple of times, but I'll just highlight again as they make this update to the discrimination um, content category is the the content itself. That's almost the irony here is they talk about these are all the, this is all the prohibited content. They don't say this is all the prohibited targeting. Right. And so what we all have just been talking about is like the, what you can and can't do from a targeting perspective, but they're not 
really calling out the content itself. And that to me is the single biggest loophole, if you will, within the ad tech world, whether it's Google or whether it's Facebook, you can say just about anything you want to say in the ad. Mm -hmm. And we, we, you know, we, we pushed that to the limits or maybe we, we saw some of that and some of the, uh, you know, stuff we were doing with Facebook marketplace, but it's incredible how much still could and does get through if you're not uh, producing content at scale from one particular Facebook page or account. Mm -hmm. So if that's really diluted, which a lot of times in our world with like independent property uh, landlords, for example, they, they can get away with, you know, some pretty, pretty bad stuff. Um, and you see it also like on public domains like Craigslist, but yeah. that still is what I struggle with is why aren't you policing that in any way? Cause it's not that difficult. And you could take that a step further and say a technology company like this, where is image recognition? Why aren't you proactively Facebook looking at and monitoring that? Mm -hmm. And they would probably say that they are, but based again on our own experience, we know that tons slides through. So, well, that's uh, actually interesting. Like Jenny, our ads still have to get approved by Facebook, right? Yes, but they're more approval, like does your landing page work? And then are you following special ad categories? The the actual content of the ads, like the headline, the preview text, your descriptors, right. that stuff does not get flagged. See, I'm actually saying that's almost worse for Facebook, that they have anybody looking at the ad. Because now if I was uh, uh, an advocacy group, I'd say, hey, you review every ad. How come you didn't see this headline right. is so egregious or this text is so egregious. I'd say read the one, one thing that surprised me when Doug was doing training on fair housing is how they're like the very small landlord, like one or two unit folks are often uh, immune, if you will. Like they're not, they're, they're, they're not held liable or responsible. Like they kind of get, get out of it, which to me shouldn't be, it shouldn't be that way. And also for Facebook, uh, I would say like, that doesn't mean that Facebook shouldn't still, you know, uh, put a limiter on them as far as like what the copy. So I guess if I'm Facebook, that's probably the excuse I make is like, well, we don't know if they qualify or don't qualify for an exemption here, but I'd say like, okay, well still not going to allow it. Like it doesn't matter. Go find yeah. I way. just think that they should make an effort. Like I would hope that again, the, the, the governing agencies of, of uh, all this stuff, um, would would grant that that your technology whether it's image recognition or it's the content isn't going to be perfect but isn't that so much better than again just putting your hands up and saying we don't want to get involved um and you know as an as a result of that you have some really bad hate speech and all sorts of discrimination that i think flies way underneath the radar that happens on a daily basis so, so i just like to see them like lean in a little bit more i don't i don't know why they don't um so let's say that any of us were czar here. So Jenny, you started to say like part of, uh, before we started that a lot of the problem with uh, for Facebook right now is like the more that they limit, the less you would think theoretically effective the advertising is. And so mm -hmm. it seemed like you were not to put words in your mouth, like you're, you would almost be anti that stance of like, you have three buttons to choose from. So if you just, you know, comment on that and then what, what would you think Facebook should be doing? Well, I think first and foremost, like they need to assess the targeting. I feel like they put a huge wet blanket on advertisers within these special ad categories for reasons that maybe aren't our fault, right? Like these are Facebook's backend optimizations. These are Facebook's cohorts. We're using them and we had a specific way that we were using them. Not to say that our performance has dropped off, but 
saying, you know, you have to target 13 through 65 for a senior living community. I don't think that's reasonable. A 14 year old can't live in a 55 plus community, right? So um, I think just narrowing in on some of the targeting capabilities to make sure that the ads are relevant for each audience. Um, I think that's first and foremost. And then secondly, like the content, what are we putting out? Um, never had an ad flagged for copy. I mean, we are fair, fair housing compliant here, so I wouldn't imagine it would be, but, <laughs> but they um, mess up often enough that you oh, think yeah. they would have false positive yeah checked an ad like this violates <laughs> right so i think that's like kind of the next step and then what i mentioned before like they need to work on the back end like what what's happening in your algorithm and how are you getting people into these certain cohorts and are these certain cohorts discriminatory based on the behavior targeting you're using based on the interests that you're putting these people into these groups like that needs to become very transparent because so far it's been all on the advertiser, right? Like completely on our hands for how we self-select to be, um, you know, in a special ad category or the copy that we use or the landing pages we use. So um, I would love for them again to just lean in and, and work on work on themselves, take some time for themselves. <laughs> <Some> self-reflection. <laughs> yeah, some self-reflection for Facebook. Well, yeah, I mean, what the... What's the feedback loop? And you mentioned the, there are reviewers. So mm -hmm. if you can come back to that, cause I wasn't aware I'm not stunned, but this is all related to the Facebook marketplace and, you know, the multifamily industry, which naturally is where we would be spending our time. But are you saying that they're, um, well, you're acknowledging that they actually do have folks that are reviewing. You're just saying that they're only reviewing portions of it. Yeah. I'm just trying to, I guess, open this up a little bit more from what Jenny's talking about versus like what's actually happening. Cause I back to this feedback loop, does it even exist at all? Is it these 2,500 or whatever you told me, like reviewers, manual reviewers. So, cause if you were to actually have a, a, it couldn't be 10 people, I would think it would need to be tens of thousands, but that were regularly providing feedback on the relevancy of the ad back mm -hmm. to the 13 to 65. And it's like, why am I getting, you know, an ad for a senior living when I'm 18 years old, but that's not happening, you know? So how do they know that the ads are going and the cohorts are the right ones, you know, as far as how it's all happening on the back end, how, how does Facebook know other than to actually have a, a true feedback loop with, with users? Yeah. I, uh, the feedback loop I think is different. I'd, I think they would say that, you know, if someone thumbs up an ad, then we know it was relevant. So like what segments were they included in or not? Right. So we do, I, I'm always surprised when I see how many comments and likes a lot of our ads get. So I think they'd say that's their feedback loop, but on Facebook marketplace specifically, when we were getting, when we were starting to do a lot of work there, we learned that they only have 300 people manually reviewing every Facebook marketplace posting that goes up So 300 for, it was tens of millions of, of ads a month. So there was, it's just not possible for it to be well monitored. Uh, as far as the, the ad side of the business, that's a different team. So I'm not sure how many folks are on that team, but I do know that our, our stuff goes into like a small approval queue. And I think the lack of transparency on how many people, what's their process, they do that intentionally, or they say it's intentional because, you know, we don't want the people to understand how to like get past the process if we tell them. Um, but I think that's where I guess the nervousness comes from, from myself or like different advocacy groups is just, if you're not transparent about how does someone get put into the rental bucket or how does someone, you know, get put into this other interest group, then we're, we're to believe that Facebook is doing the right thing and their track record is not great on that side of things. So hence the, <laughs> the lack of transparency scares me, yeah. but 
I also understand how they'd say like, well, that's our IP about how they get put into these buckets. So it's definitely a hard spot for them. Luckily, my argument, if I was on the governmental side, pushing them, be like, well, you have enough profits. You ha- you could figure this out. You're, I mean, you're wildly exactly. profitable. So. But you mentioned the feedback loop is like the thumbs up, thumbs down. And we're all different here ourselves and how much we do or don't do that. But generally speaking, just to put some numbers around that, it's almost like display advertising. How many people actually click on a display ad? Less than 99%, right? right. Yeah. And so how valuable feedback loop is that? And when you said it, you run the team, but the organic like engagement rates like 2% or something. That's like a good number, right? 2% the industry average. We're at like four and a half. But my point is that's like 98% of people are not providing feedback, (laughs) you know? Yeah. So I just think it's a weak feedback loop using that. I will say they have improved the feedback in terms of relevance score in Facebook directly. They rolled out like engagement rate ranking, conversion rate ranking, that'll basically bundle up into one relevance score. Um, So we definitely lean on that in terms of optimizations if we need to change things around. Um, Is, you know, our target audience engaging with the ad? Um, That's fairly new. So I would say they've done some improvement, but it could be better. Well, Reed, you didn't answer about if you were czar. Oh, yeah. If you're Facebook czar, what would you do differently? Well, um, I'll keep this short. I I would uh, allow actually more targeting, but I would work closely with the agencies that they should be, like whether it's fair housing or any other in any category to make sure that that's done collaboratively and, and transparently. And that I think would be your best best bet is like, we want to make this as good of experience as we can. And we think that's fair, right? For From Facebook's perspective, we want to provide good quality content to the, and you know, uh, relevant to the people that want to see it. Um, but we also very much are sensitive and understand all the concerns that, you know, fair housing, um, you know, uh, organizations and whatnot would have. So let's just do this together. Um, and I don't know to what extent that's happened. I mean, when HUD did this, like, you know, what was the go forward? Was it like Facebook, you do all this work and then come back to us and we'll tell you whether it's cool or did they have people from, you know, the multifamily industry that really understand that I Doug Chasek, you know, sitting in the room to help like go through it. Cause it doesn't, it didn't seem like it to me, you know, it was yeah. more like, we're going to slap a heavy fine. We're going to expose you in the media and then put all this pressure on you. And you're going to do some stuff, come back and tell us that it's done. And for the most part, you know, we'll give you a thumbs up. No, you know, we just talked about the like, but yeah, yeah I feel like you need, um, so one, we just talked on a prior episode about how, um, Facebook is going so heavy into VR and AR with uh, hence name change to meta. Right. Mm -hmm. And uh, Zuckerberg still famously has all these super voting shares. So he still has control. He does not seem as interested or, or money driven as some other like big tech founders. So it seems to me though, he's also distracted like by meta, if you will, like he's more interested in going after the metaverse stuff than he cares about the ad platform. Mm -hmm. So instead of playing this, like, Hey, um, I could understand there's a dynamic, like maybe someone is running, I'll say the Facebook side of things. And they're like, shoot, my, I'm probably graded on performance of the stock and whatever. And so I, I want to like, try to like draw this out as long as possible. Kind of reminds me of like the yellow pages or something like, let's just like, you know, see how little we can, um, uh, change and still get this cash cow. Well, hopefully like the big bet that Zuckerberg's taking pays off. However, they have so much, like traction already. He's got the super voting shares. He doesn't seem to care if people buy the stock or not. So he could come in and and drop someone on top of it. I remember um, 
Jeff Nowitzki. He was the guy that caught uh, Barry Bonds and Lance Armstrong for the drug scandal. And that guy like made his career off of that. And then um, it was like 15 years ago or something, but the uh, mixed martial arts started getting criticized for like, it's a very barbaric sport, like yada, yada. So the UFC went and hired Jeff Nowitzki to be their like program director for like their like anti-doping arm. Mm. It's like freaking loud and clear. Like, Hey, we're taking this seriously. We don't need anybody to sue, off, sue us if someone gets injured in the ring or whatever that Zuckerberg could do the same thing here. Like go find the most, like whatever, like, um, Whoever has the best brand. Reputable, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then just say, hey, you come in here and clean this up. Because otherwise what could happen is you could get slapped to something big or you like as much as like even a, uh, a split the company. Like uh, now we got to shuttle Instagram versus Facebook. Luckily, TikTok is doing so well these days. They've got some shade where they're not seen as much as, of a monopoly. But still, I think you, you grab the Nowitzki, if you will, drop them on top, say, hey, go ahead and clean house, do this upright, let Zuckerberg you know, not waste any calories on that side of things. And he can go play with, with meta. So that's anyways, what I would do if I was are, I feel like, like, cause I just would be tired of hearing it after 20 years. If I'm Zuckerberg, I'd be like, dude, man, cause it seems like he, he always seems to say that he cares, but it seems like he's always seen the world slightly different than the, than the populace. Sure. <laughs> and I, if I'm him, I'd be just tired about it. And I'd be like effing, yeah, whatever. I will say though, they did, they've been performing audits for like the last three or four years and they just made the last one public um, to say like, Hey, here's what we found and here's what we're working on in the future. So I think they're maybe not as much as we would like, but actively trying to figure out a solution. I don't know if Zuckerberg's ahead of it, but well, when yeah. we say that they made the audit public, they didn't make all of it public, which is why the whistleblower came forward and said there was tons of stuff that we've identified or that they knew about that they mm -hmm. didn't disclose that, you know, whether it's creating suicidal, like, you know, right. trends, like with kids because of body shaming and like mm -hmm. social network bullying or, you know, how much they were able to influence, you know, how people were interacting or in, like with what kind of t content, what kind of brands, what kind of product, all that stuff. So I feel like, uh, well, I just know that that's what got them into trouble the last time. Yeah. Well, um, I'll slightly take us off topic, but I said, Zar, so read if you had to then pick one of the big tech, one of the big fang companies to run, which one would that be? Not Facebook. Um, exactly. <laughs> That's where I was going. Yeah. I was like, I, I would not envy that job. Yeah. Go ahead. I think it would be Netflix just cause you know how much I, I love, you know, content. Yeah. Content. I'll just leave it at that. But Joe's movies, like, um, and I love obviously what they've done, how they have changed. Uh, and I don't think it's for the, the worse. And I don't want to say necessarily Facebook's for the worse, but you know, what was initially the plan and we, everybody was so excited about, you know, connecting the world is, is now right. kind of effing with the world. And so mm -hmm. it's, it's pretty scary. Like how far away I think it's gotten from him. And I don't know that you can put the genie back in the bottle. So I, I don't know what you do about it other than again, work more openly and transparently with the people that um, understand kind of these different, I guess, categories and issues. And I'm sure to some degree they're doing that. But the problem is, is that those experts, like we found out with Doug, don't know the digital advertising and marketing well enough. So it's really difficult, even when you put them in the room together to think that they're going to come up with, you know, the best outcome, but it's better than, you know, the alternative. So um, I don't stay close enough to know exactly what all Facebook has done. They've pledged a lot. And I mm -hmm. do know that the last couple rounds that they've had, the 
the government has not felt like, at least the senators that have been leading this, like the one from Minneapolis, that they're still taking it that serious, which is, I think, what you said. He's so distracted and interested in moving kind of past the ad platform and towards this meta that, um, you know, it's just not coming across as like much of a commitment. And to that point, like, I wonder if Zuckerberg's like, I just got to get past this Facebook stuff and into meta. But in a way, if he needs to learn from his mistakes on, on what happened with Facebook, how it got away from him, because it could be even that much more intrusive or seen that way with folks with all these cameras. You know, it's like it's like the first real device. I mean, they had Portal, but it didn't really do a lot. It's funny to me because it's like they should be like taking a lot of out of Apple's book of how, how they're performing. Because if you think about it, like Apple has it's so personal that you have this thing like next to your bed all the time and in your pocket. And it's got so much more data than Facebook has, and yet Facebook's getting beat up on it. But they, uh, Facebook didn't learn from the way Apple has like you know handled the market, and yet at, you know props to to Tim Cook at Apple really pushing the privacy thing, continuing to push it further. Um, but Jenny, who do we need to be worried about headhunting you? Which of these big ones? Maybe Spotify. Oh. I love music. I don't know if that's like a big one, but it's big enough. Yeah, I yeah, feel like I, they're just like. I don't know, non-confrontational. Like you don't you don't see anything bad happening to Spotify. So well, except for the Rogan except Rogan, yeah. yeah. Oh, oh yeah. That's yeah. you you Neil Young your, to, yeah. your offer letter. <laughs> no, no, just despite Joe Rogan, I'm still I'm still Spotify. Okay. Yeah. It's not the I'm biggest, as, but well, but I don't know how long that will last if they don't sort things out with Rogan. Yeah. I don't do a lot of moral decoupling, but I've done some, you know, like we don't listen to Michael Jackson anymore, which breaks my heart. But yeah. after we you know, saw the latest, I guess, I mean, there's been a lot of documentaries, but it's pretty gross, you know, yeah. it's hard to figure out where, where you begin and end. Cause the more that you do learn about a lot of the products, the brands, the people that run them, uh, the harder it is to find what you are going to drink, eat, listen to, you yeah. know, watch. Um, Cause there's just so many so many problems out there i mean thinking even about epstein and like all the movies that um that guy was associated weinstein. with weinstein sorry yeah. um yeah epstein's Steens. the sex trafficker yeah sorry um but yeah it's just it's depressing in many yeah. ways yeah that's hard um before i forget i don't know if i sent this to you david um but you'd find it interesting jenny probably as well but um there there's some like russian uh consultant he he was born in Russia and then came over and he's in, in the middle of a lot of these, I guess, conversations between big tech and, and government, um, as a consultant back to like, who should they contract? Who should they use to try and solve this problem? Uh, and they asked him about meta, uh, this was in the Washington post. And he said, I, I think he thinks it's a joke. And he, he went a little bit, I guess, more, not radical, but I mean, he was highly critical. And he said, the reason that I don't think that this is going to materialize the way Zuckerberg is imagining or thinking is because it didn't start great. Um, and so he qualified that and he said, what I mean is if you look at all the transformative um, technology that that has hit the world in the last 30 years, so we can use FANG, it all started great. And then he put the big qualifier of relatively speaking. So the internet, for example, like it blew people's minds, even though it was like, you know, the dial up super slow, it still blew people's minds. When you think about Google, it blew people's minds, even though it was so much less than what it is now. When you think about the ability with Amazon or PayPal or um, iPhone, iPhone, exactly. Thank you. He mentioned Apple a couple times in that. He was like, they started 
great. And then they, they kept improving. He's like, meta is more an idea that's that we're trying to force on people and then, you know, create basically almost create the problem and then solve it. He's like, that's not the way it works. Not when you were trying to change the world. So he, I thought it was pretty powerful and a good argument and we'll see if he's wrong or right, but he's not forecasting success for meta because he was like the blockchain, the, you know, the crypto, the web 3.0, he's like, none of that is starting from a great point. It's way more of an idea that is being heavily like pushed and promoted out there in the world. Um, good luck, you know, finding success with that. Yeah. Well, that, good that point. is interesting. Cause I would say like, um, there, there were, uh, folks were trying smartphones before the iPhone came out, but they just, um, I mean, windows had their versions of it, like, uh, and, but it wasn't as well executed as the iPhone. And then the iPhone was so, so transformative the way it stepped forward that, and it was it obviously felt different too, because it's a touchscreen first touchscreen that probably most people have played with. Right. Um, and so I think that, uh, that is why it's seen different and people forget about these other, like you know, other things that came before. Same thing with the iPod. The iPod wasn't the first MP3 player, but it was just so much better. And it was, had the novel wheel or whatever that nobody else had. And uh, the internet obviously has been around forever, but it wasn't, didn't catch on until really like the Netscape browser came out and you had like images and, and stuff coming through just is more accessible. Uh, it, it's interesting. Cause I'd say like Elon Musk is kind of bucking that trend of it has to be excellent at first. Like he's the one that he more than anybody I've ever seen is like able to preach a dream and get people to come along with his dream and hopefully he can catch up to it in time. And, uh, but with the first Teslas and stuff, he, he, you know, they were like, you know, 60 or $80,000 cars and the people knew they were early adopters that were getting in and they seemed okay with it. And he, but he just terrific at marketing and brand building in that way versus with the Oculus being like, 200 or $300 or whatever is an entry point, really try to go consumer out of the gate versus like premium and then come down like more like what Elon's doing. Mm -hmm. uh, but I totally agree with, as you're, as you're explaining um, the, the article is that if you, if you can keep it as, as secret and then come out with something that just feels totally different. Great. But I also see the big risk in that too, because it's the whole thing that we've suffered with, right? Where it's like, hey, why don't you bubble test this idea and see that people are going to be into it before you sink $10 billion of burn into it like they did last year. Mm -hmm. um, but I do respect the bet. I think we were talking about that a couple of weeks ago. Like I respect him t trying to take the bet that he's taking, but um, I'm not sure as I, I think I said in the last episode, but I think AR is, is way more approachable for people first versus going full VR. So, yeah. I agree with that. I respect the bet too. I think the, uh, I don't know if it's irony, but head, more headwinds is that, you know, this idea of him being a megalomaniac and like, you know, trying to change, take over the world, like through his technology platforms and, you know, data is, you know, now you're, you're seemingly doing just that. You're like meta is, is the new world. It is, you know, the future. And so all I'm saying is that doesn't help like his image or the company's image in a way. It's like, you're trying to create, not like react to, you're trying to create this other monumental kind of shift in the way the world like sees things and, you know, approaches things. Some people it's not going to matter, but will mainstream like have an issue with that. Yeah. Like, well, Jenny, anything? 
I'm just listening to you guys okay. riff, so I'm happy. <laughs> oh, how's the episode going? <laughs> it's going so well. Swimmingly. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, this is good. I know we got way off of ad policies, but it's always interesting when they bring. Well, I had two, yeah, two last things fairly quickly, I think. But, you know, we seem to always end up, and it's understandable, certainly for me and you, but I'm sure for Jenny too, talking about Facebook or maybe Google. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of other ad tech out there and they don't get anywhere near the, the I guess, scrutiny um, that that the two big uh, big players do. Amazon, of course, but you know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about like programmatic display, whether it's native, whether it's Spotify, you know, when will the spotlight kind of shift over there? And is it just simply economics? It's like, there's just, they're not doing anywhere near the volume and that's why they got kind of the shade. Because I feel like the same loopholes or, you know, opportunities are, are available through those platforms too, right? To discriminate, to target like in ways that you shouldn't really be targeting, but they, there's just no conversation around that in particular, I'd say in display, cause that, that number collectively is massive, but you know, um, it's not as easy, I guess, to point to just one, even though Google owns a huge amount of the inventory, but any like thoughts Google- about the other yeah, I mean, I, I feel like at least with display, like Google owns like probably 60 to 70% of it, like yeah. between Google ads, DB360. Yeah. Um, so I would say they're a part of it. Um, and then in terms of the other players, like your Pinterest, Spotify, native, the audience just isn't there. Like you don't go to Pinterest to search for an apartment for rent. It's just not, it's not it. Yeah. Um, and so I think once the audience share gets there, maybe we'll have more spotlight there, but it's just the audiences aren't there. Yeah. Um, So the other thing I thought was worth bringing up, just looking at this ad policy page on Facebook, they have the 31 buckets for prohibited content. We've talked about how hard it is just in multifamily to keep up with like fair housing laws, even, even Doug, you know, like true experts, um, you know, with how much is shifting, especially at the local level. So I just think it's worth pointing out trying to keep up with one of these buckets mm-hmm. in, in the case of discrimination, but then to understand, no, the other 30 as an agency yeah. just seems unrealistic to me. And they don't put much effort from what I know with their partners, even, you know, yes, we're a small fish, all things considered, but to try to help us understand and be better, you know, at the way that we approach their platform. Right. I mean, how much of this do we put our people through or would be even realistic, like to try and get them trained up on 31 categories of prohibited content. And those are just categories. There's so much inside each one. Right. Yeah. And I think like some of those categories do apply to us. Some don't, there's some on like tobacco, which sure, we yeah. weren't, you know, we're not diving into, but I think with our fair housing tool, just the in internal training that we do have, we do a good job on, on fair housing where we're at, but there's no way that anybody can understand all 31 of those and apply them on a day-to-day basis when you're doing optimizations, writing ad copy, choosing creative. Um, there's no way. So this is just another example of Facebook putting it on the advertiser with little to no support um, in terms of them training or you know giving resources to help us understand and be better. Which just brings me back to where we started, which is they need to do more natively than just dumping this all on their partners. I mean, it's messed up because they're are putting all the liability on us as an agency. Isn't that kind of biting the hand that's feeding them? You know, it's like we're doing huge revenue, like collectively meaning, you know, all these agencies and they seem to be putting little to no effort on really 
helping us be better, you know, at uh, avoiding some of the pitfalls that exist within their, their platform. Yeah. I was just thinking about it similar to a car, right? Like you have to get a license to drive a car cause you could hurt someone. Um, and for the most part, they're standardized rules. But whenever I drive into a city, I'm like, Oh shoot, can I turn right on red in Denver? I cannot remember. Right. <laughs> yeah. uh, like I've, Got a ticket in the Bronx because because mm -hmm. you can't do it. So that's different, and that's not like posted when you enter into a municipality about like no right on red and these when not marked always twenty five miles an hour. Um, so, but with um, with Facebook, to your guys' point, there's not there's not the enforcement there to then like you know if I get a two hundred dollar ticket because I turned right on red, not a great day, but it's not you know, a career ending day <laughs> versus if you all of a sudden get hit with a, some sort of discrimination case that, that could really mess up your business. And so if we were, if we were any other, um, uh, you know, advertising agency that handled multiple categories, I would be really concerned with the risk on that. Cause you can't just like buy business insurance easily on that. Cause it totally. wouldn't qualify cause they'd call it negligence and that's not covered. Right. And so, uh, I just think about how I get emails and Jenny, you get more than I do, but Google hitting me up like, Hey, this thousand dollar search campaign that you have, we have a data scientist that wants to help you optimize this campaign. Get on the phone. I've never seen one of those emails from Facebook. I do know that they've a couple times have come through, mm -hmm. but to your point, Reed, they, when they talk about 31 ad categories, it could be on them. And this would be a good show of faith moving forward of like, Hey, we have trained up our experts. We see that your business manager account has a hundred real estate clients in it. We're going to put you on the phone with someone that talks about compliance and just does a general like training on yada, yada, yada. And that would not be, that would not be a demo that wouldn't have a big impact on, on their bottom line. And yet would go a long way to just like bettering and furthering the market. Cause right now, We've said before as an ad agency, you don't even if you're going to become a dental hygienist, you, there's like qualifications you have to go through. Mm -hmm. To sling ads on Facebook, there's nothing you have to sign or right. whatever, yeah. and yet you can cause a lot of damage. Um, so, anyways, I'm I'm with you on this one. Yeah, it makes me wonder when we'll see like you know the ambulance chasers, like attorneys. You know when when is that trend going to hit? You know within digital advertising um, and tech at large. And I'm sure there's obviously we've seen and read about some of the bigger cases, but you know it. I, I mean, it could be it a really big business. <laughs> I'm surprised it hasn't. We know about the patent trolls that like send you a letter right, and say, "Hey, I'm right, going to take you to, to right. the East Texas exactly. yep. state court and challenge this patent thing." You could just have someone slinging like, you know, uh, notarized letters out saying, hey, I'm, a, I'm concerned about your ad practices and yeah. we'll settle this for $6,000. Totally. Not to call it. It's on a different version of <laughs> ransomware. Like our our uh, our deductible on our business insurance is like ten grand. So you come in at under ten grand, we're going to pay that ticket over yeah. taking you to court on this thing. <laughs> yeah. So I just can't believe it hasn't happened. Well, twenty twenty two. Say any more about that? What <laughs> 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 bad juju? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks, Jenny. Appreciate you jumping on. Yeah. Thanks, guys. This was fun. All right. See you. 